This is the Saturate Podcast. Saturate is committed to seeing a gospel movement happen in North America and beyond, in which every man, woman, and child have a daily encounter with Jesus in word and deed. This podcast is an ongoing conversation with disciples and leaders growing in the gospel and growing in living the implications of the gospel in community and on mission. Welcome to the Saturate Podcast. My name is Brad Watson, and today I'm going to be talking with Preston Perry. He's a poet, an artist, as well as an apparel designer. But one of the things I love about him is his love for uh, talking with people of different faiths and his boldness and his grace as he does that. And so today's topic is going to be about apologetics. Great. Well, Preston, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. Uh, It's great having you on. And uh, something we like to ask all of our guests is just to share a little bit about your story. Yeah, where you where you grew up and and what God has done in your life to lead you where you yeah. are today. And thanks for having me, man. I appreciate it. Appreciate it a whole lot. Well, yeah, um, I'm from Chicago, Illinois. I was born and raised on the south side of Chicago, single parent home. Um, my mom raised me and my my two siblings, my brother and my sister. And um, yeah, I grew up there. Um, but I often, uh, you know, we often moved back to Atlanta, Georgia. Yeah, that's kind of like where I, I grew up the most, my most um, childhood, like Atlanta slash Chicago, like back and forth. Didn't really grow up in a very stable home. I, I, I lived in so many different places between Atlanta, Georgia, and Chicago. Mm. Um, my mom was trying to make ends meet to, to provide for us as a single mother. So yeah, that's why I grew up for the most most part of my life. Yep. Now you are a poet and you have a clothing line. You have uh, all these things going on. How did you get, yeah, where you are kind of in in your ministry and passion in life? Well, yeah. So I have a clothing line called Bold Apparel. And I also um, have a YouTube channel called um, Bold TV, um, where we focus on apologetics and stuff like that. And I don't know, like when I first became a Christian, um, I wasn't raised in the church. um, So I really didn't grow up in a in a church environment, but I've always kind of had like this boldness about me. I, got, I think I got it from my mom. I was never really afraid to speak my mind and speak truth. And when I became a Christian, I kind of I kind of saw that God went to use how He, yeah, originally created me for His glory. And I think that when you think about boldness, sometimes um, it could be kind of your character to to kind of be bold and. You know, but in in some instances, you have to like pray for like boldness and God for, for God to give you boldness. Uh, so I've had a lot of that in my, in my ministry, but that's what I, yeah, that's what I feel led to like encourage people to, to be in, my, in, mm. in their walk. Um, it's to just be bold for, for the Lord, um, loving but bold. And um, so that's the reason why I named my clothing line um, Bold Bold Apparel. It's just clothing line. It's clothing, you know, that would, uh, yeah, spark conversations with, you know, I have a, a hoodie, like, uh, it says Jesus is God. And I, I made the hoodie just so when people wear the hoodie, um, and a Muslim or Jehovah's Witness or Mormon sees it, they can spark conversation for us to have those bold conversations that we wouldn't have usually and, and things like that. And with the, the YouTube channel, um, Bold TV, I just, I just want to have conversations that I, I feel like sometimes as Christians, we kind of dance around and we try to avoid. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I think those I think those conversations are, are important. So, 
yeah, that's why I kind of, I kind of I, I'm added my ministry, um, but also too with the poetry. I feel like my poetry encompasses that as well. Yeah, touching on topics that I feel sometimes we can avoid, like race or political issues, um, of things of that nature. So, yeah, I feel like God's always pushing me in the area to kind of talk about things that, you know, <laughs> I don't really know why, but yeah. Yeah, there's so, people that want you to really talk about like, yeah, that makes yeah, it divisive yeah. or whatnot. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I get the, I, I I get that I get that a lot. Like you're being divisive, and I'm like I'm I'm really not trying to be. I just feel God leading me to say these things. Well, one of your poems, "Woke Christian," I think is what it's titled. Yeah, uh, that's probably one where everybody doesn't like you at the end of that. <laughs> so yeah. listeners should definitely go YouTube that. I, is it on YouTube or or somewhere where it can watch it? It is. It is on YouTube. It's called New World Christian. Um, I think if you just type it in, I think it'd pop up. I don't think it's any other titles on YouTube. <laughs> um, right. That title. But yeah, man, I had a lot of people angry. I did have a lot of people angry with me, angry with me um, about that poem, but I had so many people encouraged as well. Mm. I think more people were encouraged than people who were angry. <laughs> and just the people who were angry, they make a lot of noise. But yeah, I, I thank God for that poem because I think it challenged African-Americans in the body, not to walk away from the faith because of a lot of the injustices that was happening. But I also think it allowed my white brothers and sisters um, to see some of their blind spots as well. I think God used it to show many different people, many different things. So, Yeah, that's really cool. And I, I actually have one of your Jesus is God t-shirts. I saw really? uh, I, my wife and I went to a Poets and Autumn show in Seattle when we wow. live in Portland, I have that shirt. And I always forget that, like, because I basically just wear black T-shirts all the time. And so <laughs> I'll grab that one, I'll put it on, and I'll forget that I'm wearing it. And then I'll be buying coffee or checking out at a grocery store. And people will just be staring at, like, my belly. Like, I'm my, be- my belly. And they're like, do you really? Is that is that shirt true? And yeah, like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I forgot. Like, I'm not wearing, like... <laughs> <laughs> It'd be cool I get wearing a Ram shirt, but like I have like Jesus written here, and that's like it really is. Yeah, yeah, bold. it it is. It's bold. It's, it's also one of those shirts that confuse a lot of people because I've had a lot of people who are not a part of any other religion or any other um, belief system asking me like, "What does that mean?" You know, mm-hmm. um, they just really want to know. Like, I thought Jesus was God's son, not God. You know, so mm-hmm. it's just a great way to explain the gospel and the, um, the Trinity, and you know, and um, yeah, how Jesus is equal with the Father. Uh, it's just a great way to explain that. So, yeah, totally. I'm, uh, yeah, I'm thankful for it. It's pretty great. Yeah, along those lines of, of yeah, just boldness and having conversations with others outside of the church, I wanted to have you on to talk about apologetics. Uh, yeah, man. In, in your YouTube channel, uh, yeah, you have a series of videos about uh, talking with specifically Jehovah Witnesses, but then also you did a workshop at Legacy in Chicago about yeah. apologetics, and I thought it was really great. And so, yeah, maybe just to start off for our listeners, why does apologetics matter? And, and what, what actually is that for you whenever people yeah. say apologetics? Yeah, yeah. So apologetics is basically um, uh, a defense of religious doctrine. It's an argument to, to defend religious doctrine. Um, so it is uh, essentially presenting the argument to defend why you believe what you believe, which, which tells us in First Peter. 
you know, always be prepared to um, to defend why you believe what you believe, but do it with gentleness and respect. All right. Mm-hmm. So that's what apologetics is. But to me, I think apologetics is um, a form of evangelism. It is, yeah, in a sense, sharing the gospel. I think that when we think about apologetics, uh, I think sometimes we can only think argument, present the best argument possible. Mm-hmm. But I think that the arguments matter. But I also think that apologetics is trying to 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 win the heart of someone who doesn't believe in the God that you believe. So I think that it's it's, it's I think the arguments do matter, and I think that's what. Um, apologetics is, but I think it's bigger than that. I think it's I think it's caring about the whole of a person, trying to show them not just with your argument, but how you treat them, how you talk to them, how you listen to them. That our God is is, is better, and uh, yeah, the God that we that we serve is causing us to treat them um, like they're also made in the image of God. Yeah, so that's what I think of apologetics is, and that's how I, I approach it. Yeah, I think that, that that's that's huge, and and I think that that's a big thing that we're kind of lacking, just even in a society. It's like, how do we disagree and have good reasons for why we disagree, but do it in yeah. a gracious and kind way? And it's so ironic if what we have to share is grace and love and like an aboundingly loving Father and the Son and the Spirit, and yet we're doing it just to like, I want to win this one, like a Facebook battle. Yeah. You know, and that's what apologetics becomes is we're just arguing with another system of beliefs instead of actually reasoning with people that we care about, like human beings. Absolutely. And I see that a lot. I see that a whole lot. I see that sometimes apologetics can just become this deep theological intellectual thing. And we forget that it's it's a heart issue at the at the at the core, right? Um, and it's not just uh, 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 how much knowledge I can show you I have, or how much knowledge that I can show you that you don't have. Uh, it's 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 a heart issue, um, which is which still calls for need for us to to love well, um, to communicate graciously, um, but also communicate with truth. It doesn't mean that we have to compromise truth but it, it shouldn't be at the, at the expense of just walking away feeling like we want an argument <laughs> you know you know right so yeah yeah and so how how do you like or how do you think the church can on a walk towards that place where we're both bold and humble hmm. yeah man that's a good question i think that if you if looking at the life of jesus i think that we see that jesus was was both right I think that he was bold and he was, he was he's very, very humble. And I, I think that I think that sometimes society tells us that we have to compromise one to walk in the other. When that doesn't necessarily mean I don't I don't think that's true. I think that I think that if we if we recognize, you know, like and, and always keep in the back of our mind and our hearts, like where Jesus brought us from, which was, you know, taking us out of of darkness into his marvelous light and saving us. We can walk in, we can walk in true humility with those Mm -hmm. who are in other religions. I think that's a a lot of times we, we, we don't walk in humility because we, we, we kind of have this posture, what we believe is right. And then a lot of times we don't walk in boldness, I think, because we don't truly love people how we should. 
And I think that Jesus did both. I think that he knew, of course, he knew what he believed was, was the truth because he was the truth. Mm-hmm. But also, I think that he walked in boldness, not just because he was just really, really brave, but because he loved the people that he was trying to reach. And I think that's what boldness is. I think boldness is essentially love that we have for people. It's like, because I love you, I'm going to be bold enough to tell you the truth. And because I love you, I'm going to be, I'm going to walk in humility with you. I'm going to, I'm going to treat you with with gentleness and respect and humility because I don't think that I'm better than you. Uh, So I think the the motivating factor for both is, is, is love. And I think that Jesus was both bold and humble because the root of both of those things are love when we, when we, when we walk and when we talk to anybody, um, Mm -hmm. but uh, specifically with those of in other religions. So, yeah. And I think that is hard. I was actually just in Salt Lake city. I was there doing some stuff and it was really challenging because it's like this, this central hub for Mormonism. And I like felt myself just being like, I was like walking around the, the Mormon temple area and I was like, this is just bananas. Like, and I like started yeah. chanting it. My wife got super embarrassed. I was like, be is for bananas. Be yeah. bananas. And then she was like, that is just so not loving. Like, don't you see like these people yeah. have no true shepherd and they're totally deceived and there's this huge veil and, and it is, it's, it's just, it's easy to just try to be like, man, what you believe is so silly. Like, let me stick it to you. And I think what you're saying about Jesus is so true because someone who was discipling me once asked me just to read the whole gospel of Luke and mark like what Jesus was doing with his body uh, yeah. as he approached people. And it's like, he touched them, he saw them, he heard them, uh, which was all bold in so many different situations. But then he also, yeah, w- would speak, but it was from that place of like seeing and having compassion, even him yeah, on a hillside, just weeping for the people because they didn't have a shepherd. And and I think from that place, it's like, oh, maybe I could have some better conversations with the the Mormon proselytizers. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Absolutely. Because Christ, when he encountered, you know, all people, he made sure he acknowledged them, you know. And I think a lot of times when we mm-hmm. see people in other religions, we just kind of see people who believe in a different God and we kind of look at them almost like projects like, Oh, mm-hmm. you know, let me, let me, let me try to win this or whatever. But it's like, I, I think it's very important when we talk to Mormons who have some big, like you said, some very, you know, out, outrageous, you know, beliefs or whatever. But if you, if you really, you know, understand what, what, you know, the context in which they come from and how they believe that Joseph Smith was a true prophet and, and the things that they have been taught, it's mm-hmm. like they are sincere in what they believe. Mm-hmm. So just to just to come to them, you know, and, <laughs> and and tell them what they believe is wrong, and not like look them in the eyes and mm-hmm. you know and learn their names and stuff like that. It can be very, yeah, it can be it can be very insincere. So that's what I try to do. I try to even when I talk to anybody in another religion, I try to you know make sure I ask them their names, look them in the eyes, and show them respect and listen to the, and listen to them. You know, and and another thing that I've always tried to do is I never try to assume that uh, when I talk to somebody in a, in, a, in in a religion, a different religion, that they believe in the last person I, I talk to in their religion. Like I, I deal with them, I deal with them individually, you know, mm. because they're, they're people. I don't I don't deal with them just according to their 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 religion. 
you know, mm-hmm. um, because a lot of them, you know, came to believe what they believe for different reasons. A lot of them came to, uh, was drawn to Mormonism or um, the Jehovah's Witness um, religion for, for different reasons. Their stories are different. Um, so I, I deal with them, you know, like people. So, Right. I think that that's such a key point is, is even just, yeah, that that issue that it is of the heart and, it, and our hearts are sort of born out of our stories. And so it's like, man, but you don't understand, like this church actually cared for me or this religion cared for me or yeah. Yeah. My, my friends who are Muslim, it's like, man, if I became a Christian, like I won't even have family anymore. Absolutely. I don't even know how I could approach that. And so I think that really kind of lowers the level of like the argument to being like, there is this issue of like, Jesus is a better King. And it yeah. church is a better family, even though you can't see that. Like he's he's worth forsaking all else. Yeah, yeah. Not only that, I think a lot of these religions, you know, like the Jehovah's Witness, for example, like if they leave, they're completely cut off. Like, you know, they become essentially dead to, you know, uh, their family members and, you know, people who they are in an organization with. So it's like, man, they you're risking, you're telling them to risk a whole lot by believing in the Lord Jesus Christ the mm-hmm. way we believe in him. So Yeah, that's that's huge. And and I think there's also for a lot of people listening might find themselves just like surrounded by what people would self confess as just secular people or agnostics or atheists and kind of like proponents of an age of pluralism, which I think is just part of the water that we swim in now. Yeah. And I think that for a lot of like what we're taught even in school, like my, my daughter's taught this in elementary school is, well, all beliefs are equally true and that's how we're going to get along, which is fascinating. Like her school, it's, it's one of the most diverse school districts in the country. She has really good uh, Muslim friends and Jewish friends. And it's like this huge collection of people. And yet that's kind of the thing of like, well, what you believe, like, like whatever you believe is true, you know, like for you, Mm. And then it's really offensive to say, like, no, what you believe is wrong. Uh, you hmm. should believe what I believe. Kind of like the big faux pas in our in our society to say that in relationship. It's okay to say that on the internet, obviously, but not <laughs> not not. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, I have a couple of thoughts about that because I think the world would try to, you know, um, tell us that, but. I don't think the world believes that, and I think the and I, and I think it's evident that the world doesn't believe that how they how they act. I'll never forget this quote that um, Paul Washer said. He said, um, "The world," he said, "The world will hypocritically applaud any man who claims he is the seeker of truth, but they will call for a public execution for any man who claims he has found it." Hmm. And that always stuck with me. I heard that years ago, but it always stuck with me. And I think I think what he meant was the world will claim that you are a great man, that you are a great mind, if you are on a quest for truth. Yeah, like if you don't really know what truth is or you're kind of on the fence and you're still, you know, but once you claim you have, you you found truth and don't say that your truth is Jesus, it, it gets even worse after that. They say, well, how do you know you believe, how do you know what you believe is actually true? You know, and they'll tell you that you're a bigot or they'll tell you that you're you're arrogant or you're prideful. Um, but the truth is, if there is only one God who created all things, there is there's one truth, mm-hmm. right? And I think what Christians, the the, the the true Christian church is doing is not 
we're not telling people to necessarily believe what we believe, but we're telling people to believe in the truth, right? That 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 the same truth that set um, me free will, will set you free. Yeah, so it's it's not like uh yeah like come come see what works for me, and I, I believe that it will work for you. It's like no, nah, like the, the same God that created me created you, and based on a lot of historical evidence, based on a lot of biblical evidence, how the the Bible has been biblically accurate. I, I believe the most biblically most accurate book throughout history, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, uh, and I think that we can talk facts. Um, but we can also just, you know, um, talk experience. Like we can, we can compare what you believe to the scriptures and compare what you um, you believe to historical evidence and, and and see. Because I don't think that God is essentially telling us to believe in this book, you know, alone without without giving us so many different um, historical evidence um, in the in the past that the Bible is the undisputed truth. Yeah, I think the world kind of it's not all the way honest when they say, you know, we can all believe what we believe because when, once you, once you say the name of Jesus, it's like, Oh, I thought, I thought we could all believe what we believe. <laughs> it's like, you don't believe that. So right. I, don't, I don't really, I don't really buy that. So, yeah. Absolutely. It's so true. And it's even the belief system that you believe what you believe is a claim. Right. And it, and it yeah. which doesn't hold up even in world religions or a, or a globalized world, it's like no, like there has to be just one truth. Like, yeah, abs- absolutely, because the Mormons will tell you that you know what they believe is is true, you know, and what the Christian Church, you know, believes not true. And the Hebrew Israelites will tell you the same, and the Jehovah's right. Witnesses will tell you the same, and the, you know, um, so I, I I think that we all kind of you know have our have our belief systems, but at the end of the day, it, it is only one truth, and. I think that that's what apologetics does. It uh, it allows us to to have those hard arguments to get to the truth. And once we get to the truth, I think that some of us have to have to acknowledge that man, what we believe so far has has not been true. Mm-hmm. You know, so yeah, and the the not just the historical reality of Jesus, but also yeah, the the story of Scripture and the story of Jesus redeeming and restoring all things provides the most hope. I have a yes. friend who, I was, as we were hanging out or talking, he grew up in the church in Chicago, but I think a different part of Chicago than you grew up in, like Willow yeah. Creek area. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I know what Willow Creek is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but as we were talking, you know, I finally, I just told him, I was like, hey man, like, here's the deal. Like, even if you don't believe this to be true, you should want to believe it. Like, yeah, because it's just like the bet, like you should be trying to find a way that you can believe this because it just is the best story for the world and for your life. And that like really stuck with him. I don't know like where that came from within me, but it's true. Like that the gospel is the most loving, generous, good news out there. And then, and then it is also true, you know, it's not just feels good, you know? Uh, yeah. Yeah, because I mean, because yeah, and I, I think that's so true. I think, I think if you look at any other religion, I think every other religion tells you that your works um, has to be added to the work of God, right? Mm-hmm. That that you have to that you have to work in order to obtain God's love or mercy, right? The Jehovah's Witnesses will tell you, you know, you know, um, how many doors we knock on. 
and how diligent we are and our evangelism will earn us a spot in heaven. And uh, well, only 144,000 of us will go to heaven and the rest of the great multitude will live on replenished earth. You know, the Mormons, you know, they, 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 they say, well, they believe that the scriptures is, is telling them, you know, that we're saved by grace through faith after all we can do. That's what it says in the, in the, in the Book of Mormon. You know, the Hebrew Israelites, <laughs> they're just, <laughs> yeah, they're just a, a whole nother camp who believes that, you know, they have to, they have to work in order to restore the, the black race. Every other religion is based on in works. The gospel mm-hmm. is the only religion that tells you that, no, after the law has shown you that you are a sinful human being, you are to turn from your sin and put your hope in the one who kept the law perfectly, which was Jesus, and put your hope in the finished work of Jesus Christ, right? Mm-hmm. That he alone finished the work. His life alone was perfect and righteous, and he satisfied the full wrath of God, and he lived a life that we could not live, and he died a death that we could not die, and that if we turn to him, right, right, <laughs> that we're no longer bound by laws and rules anymore, that we are under the grace of Jesus Christ, right? It is such a freeing thing to know that I don't have to work, that it's not on me, that I can I can put my hope in someone who is greater, <laughs> you know, yeah. than myself and who finished the work. I think that's the struggle for all human beings, even Christians. Sometimes we're tempted with this feeling is like add to the cross, mm-hmm. right? To add our works to what Jesus did and say, oh, I don't think that Jesus is sufficient enough. You know, let me, let me do, let me do, let me do. Essentially, that's the same thing, you know, temptation that, not the temptation, but that's the same thing other religions have. It's like, man, they don't believe that God was enough, mm-hmm. right? I think once we can allow other religions to see that, I think it, I think it can be a very, very freeing thing to them. Yeah. And then I think that that kind of like leads to this last question that I had for you, which is, you know, how does this whole practice and this discipline and this yeah humble action of apologetics, how does that grow and transform us as Christians? Hmm. We're all part of God's mission, but we're also God's mission too. Uh, and I think that he sends us out to do something in us. I think that's like his pattern always. And and so, yeah, how does how does apologetics really challenge and, and grow us? Yeah, I can only speak from my personal experience. Um, the reason why I, I, I fell in love with apologetics is because I was um, my first year in college. I didn't I didn't know what apologetics was. I didn't know uh, a whole lot about scripture, to be honest. Um, the only thing that I knew was like the foundational essentials of the gospel. And I was very zealous and I was very passionate about scripture and i shared the gospel with everybody you know how when you first get saved i mean <laughs> everybody you come across is going to hear the gospel mm-hmm. um and i was in in the uh, cafeteria one day and we was having a conversation about scripture with a, with a group of friends the jehovah's witness came and sat next to next to me and he began to you know rattle off all these scriptures and in my mind i'm thinking like he's uh, a christian and then um, after a while, he started to say things that I didn't agree with. And I was like, what church do you go to? And he was like, well, I go to the King Paul. I'm a Jehovah's Witness. And when me and him began to have a debate, long story short, me and, um, he began to ask me questions that I couldn't answer. Um, and uh, it forced me to go back um, and to study. 
you know, and I began to, yeah, I began to study apologetics without even knowing what apologetics was just to reach this one person. Hmm. And um, we began to, you know, have this back and forth thing every single Thursday, you know, after class or whatever. But then we became friends. And after a while, I didn't want to just win an argument with him. I wanted to win his heart. Hmm. And I, I saw how sincere he was and I saw how passionate he was, and I began to be concerned about his soul. And from there, I grew a love for people, a true love for people and evangelism. And I, I, I and I learned how to talk to people, hmm. not just having you know a, a debate, but like truly learn a person. And that that one relationship that I had, it it, it showed me how to talk to people outside of the church, talk to people. Um, engage with people outside of the church, uh, engage with those in, in other religions, um, and to have real respectful conversations. And I think that if we are to um, do what Matthew 28 um, says, which is uh, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we have to understand that that also includes those in other religions, right? Mm -hmm. So, I think that's what apologetics does. I think that apologetics, it, it just doesn't teach us to um, give the gospel to that, that guy on the street corner who just rejects God. But it mm -hmm. also teaches us to give the gospel to that, that Jehovah's Witness who believes that he believes in God, <laughs> but mm -hmm. believes in a, in, a, in a different gospel. I think that uh, it's great for the church. I think that it expands the church. I think that it grows the church. I think that it gives the church and church members a greater witness, hmm. you know, uh, the fact that Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormons and Hebrew Israelites can be converted into Christianity and say, you know what, I believe in this belief system so long, but now uh, because I, I this this Christian bared with me and 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 talk with me and and it was patient with me, now I believe in the, in the true God. I think it's it's a great testament to the church, and I think that it's a great testimony for the church that Jesus Christ is better and that he is the the one true God. So yeah, real relationships. Uh, I think, I think that's what we should aim for. Yeah. Amen, man. That's really good. Yeah. And you, I, man. And I can agree more. And, and, and yeah. And I think that a lot of times we're, we're scared, I think ultimately to enter those relationships, you know, cause those can be the cost often of apologetics is, loving people and and seeing them reject the gospel even when they really understand it yeah like oh yeah i see what you're saying but like i just don't want to go there and then that's like the real pain i think is when we actually love people it's not like yeah. feeling stupid or feeling like out of touch or those things it's those those are often painful things i experience too but it's yeah, it's that when we love people because we so long to see them come into the faith, but then also the joy, like the immense joy of of seeing brothers and sisters baptized and coming into the life, yeah. um, going from death to life. Like it really is not just a matter of winning arguments, but it's a life or death issue. It is. It is. That's so true. Yeah, that's so true. Yeah, and 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 that's and that's the main thing I want. I want people. I want people to see. It's not because. Um, uh, of any other reason, then that's truly been my experience. Um, the guy, the first Jehovah's Witness that I, I witnessed to, um, he didn't end up coming to faith, but his mom did, you know, and his mom did because 
the interactions that she had with, with true Christians, that true Christians really came and loved her well. Uh, it wasn't just necessarily the arguments. The arguments played a, a factor, but it was because the, the arguments along with, with, with them loving her, her, her well. So that's wonderful. That's awesome. And so, uh, Preston, yeah, we already mentioned your YouTube channel, Bold TV. Any other places that people should look to connect with you? Um, yeah. So right now I'm on a 39 city tour. It's the, it's called the Poets and Autumn Tour. Uh, we have like, I think like 17 dates left. Um, uh, so if you go to the, the PIA tour.com, uh, you can catch me probably in a city near you. Uh, I do poetry, but I also, you know, give spills before my poetry and, and talk about many different things. Yeah. Other than that, I mean, um, yeah, YouTube is probably the best way to kind of find me now and just be on a, on the lookout for like more content. Like I said, like you, like you said, I, I just finished the Jehovah's Witness series, but I will be doing other religions and just the, the heart and the, and the goal is just to teach people how to engage with those and other religions. Yeah, that's awesome. So yeah, I hope everyone is able to check that out. And the PIA tour is really great. So that's, that's my, that's my pitch. I always yeah, afterwards man. like, man, I'm like preaching much better right now because I went to this PIA tour. Like, Dope, man. Anymore. And uh, yeah, it's, it's always very inspiring and challenging on, on so many levels. So yeah, I, I appreciate everyone that. going out and checking it out. Yeah. And you guys are like all over the world all the time. So yeah, man. Yeah, man. It's, it's been a long tour, so I'm tired. I'm, I'm very tired. Yeah, but it's been it's been fruitful though. It's been it's been a very fruitful tour. I thank God for it. Yeah, that's good, man. That's good. Well, well, thanks for joining us. Yeah, it's a pleasure and honor. Uh, yeah, just to talk about God and uh, His love for people and how we get to participate in that. So, yeah, yeah thanks for yeah. joining us. Thank you, man. Thank you for having me. Thanks, everyone, for listening. I've hoped that you've enjoyed this conversation. You can get more resources online at saturatetheworld.com. I specifically would like to point you to the Gospel Fluency resources. You can find that uh, by searching Gospel Fluency. That can really help you understand some of what it takes to, to share the gospel with other people. Uh, also, just want to remind you guys, if you're enjoying the podcast, this is a completely listener supported podcast and so if this has been useful for you if you just want to continue to help us produce these podcasts you can become one of our catalysts also find that information on saturatetheworld.com becoming a catalyst we're just asking people to give it any sort of level uh, and it really helps us a lot Uh, we love you guys and we appreciate the partnership that we have in the gospel whether you can give or can't so thanks for listening and we'll talk again soon Today's podcast was edited by Ben Fort, and our theme music is written and performed by the band Mopac. Saturate's hope is to see one missional community for every 1,000 people in every city as we see the glory of God fill every person, every place, and every church. We participate in this vision by curating resources, training, coaching, consulting, and many more ways. Find out more at saturatetheworld.com.